Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. You we are going to talk today about you. You see, your attitude will determine your altitude. It's not my phrase, but it is one that really makes sense. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they. The things that we think about are the things that come out of our mouth. The things that we dream and scheme about are the things that we make come true. The things that we wish, hope, wait, don't take advantage of, don't take action on, those kind of things just never happen. They just remain as hopes and wishes and dreams. And don't get me wrong, I want you to have hopes and wishes and dreams, but then I want you to transition those into plans and details and goals. You are amazing. You see, inside of you, there is a mind, there is a spirit, there is the real you not just the flesh and blood that covers the real you, but the things that make you uniquely brilliant. They're inside of you. There's never been and there will never be another you. There are many great, wonderful people in the world, people that have done amazing things, but today you need to understand just how great you are. You need to understand the power of your mind. If you can conceive and believe you can achieve. Now, so far, you know, just in this intro here, I think I've said about four or five uh, phrases that are things that, you know, you've probably seen on posters. You've you heard motivational speakers. And I don't want it to seem trite or canned or anything like that. But we need to understand the power of our mind. We need to understand that what we put our mental energy to can make an amazing, dynamic, transformational, awesome... I mean, I could use adjectives for the rest of the day to talk about how great things can be if you will really put all of you into it, and it starts in your mind. Any of you that have ever done coaching... um, almost always, uh, there's a few exceptions, but almost always when you start into coaching, it has to start with your mindset. What do you think about? So even if you're coaching, you know, Susie Carter is one of our coaches. I love Susie. Susie, if you happen to be listening, hi. Um, Thanks for everything you always do for us. Um, And she really keeps track on the finance, you know, the financial end of our things, the finances, Um, the most exciting moment, you know, well, not maybe the most of ever, but one of the most exciting moments in our business was when Susie sent back our org chart and she had put herself on as CFO to watch our finances for us and help oversee 
the financial life of our business. I'm grateful. I'm excited about it. Um, and it's really great. But the first thing that you got to deal with is that mental game. What do you think about money? What are the things, the stories that you're telling yourself about money? And it doesn't matter. I mean, when, if you're talking weight loss, what is the thought that you have about your weight, about your body? What are the stories you tell yourself? And you could go down the line every single topic. It starts off by what you're manifesting in your mind. Now, so that I don't just go on a soliloquy and talk this whole entire time about your mental game, I am so excited to bring to you the guests that I have today um, to be able to share with you not only their bestsellers, but some amazing things that they have going on in the world. And so I'm actually going to cut my intro short here so that we can go to our first commercial break and then come back to help you really get your mental game together, really love yourself, and be all that you can be. We'll be right back on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. I love this concept. Think about this for a minute as I say it. Make your mind an asset. What an amazing show and what a great concept. I want you to uh, uh, you know, invite with me and welcome Eugene Johnson. Hi, Eugene. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. What about yourself? Doing good, thanks. So your new book, your bestseller, is called The Mental Playbook. An Ultimate Blueprint on How to Become a High Achiever by Making Your Mind Your Greatest Asset. I love it. Um, tell us what that means to you. So, you know, a, a while ago, I when I was an 18-year-old uh, college student just looking for an opportunity to um, change my life, uh, I ended up having a mentor, uh, and that mentor um, you know, basically taught me something that literally changed my life. He said, Eugene, if you want to change your life, you need to change the way you think. And I didn't necessarily understand what he meant at the time, just because I had never been around, you know, a person who was as positive, who was as motivating, who, you know, uh, was as clear at, as uh, he was on where he wanted to go. Um, but he taught me, he said, you got to change the way you think. And so I started to study that at an early age, at 18. Uh, and it's really been a journey over the last, you know, 
a decade plus trying to figure out, all right, you know, how do you master the way you think and how does your thinking, um, you know, force your success to either happen or not happen. Uh, and I realized that most people's success hinders on the way they're thinking. And that was where this, the concept of this book was born. So you say even on the back cover of your book that there are just really a few small things that are the difference between somebody that's just average um, and somebody that's a high achiever. Now, we're not going to give away all of the secret sauce. People need to get the book for that. But, um, you know, if you had to just give us one of them, what is a really good example of an average achiever versus a high achiever? So, you know, one of, I think one of the big keys, is, and it's something that I talk a lot about in the book, actually the whole first section of the book is about uh, uh, one key called the mental matrix. And I think that when you understand this one key, this is a huge separator between the average and the extraordinary and the people who are high achievers um, and understanding the mental matrix. And basically, for the mental matrix is pretty simple. Most people's mind are in two different phases. Um, you, are, you have two mental thought phases. The one of them is faith and one of them is fear. And the question is, uh, the way you think dictates a few things, your habits, your states, and your actions. So the ones who, you know, the people who are achieving at high levels, they understand that it's, it's, the, it's those three things that what you do on your habits, how your state is, and what your actions look like that determine your results. And the ones who are the high achievers have mastered the ability to stay in the side of faith and not on the side of fear. Uh, and it, it's something that has to be worked on because the way our human nature is set up, it's set up to operate in fear because our, our mind, our body, everything about our physiology is created to keep us safe, not to make us successful. And what the, the, the premise of the book on the mental um, matrix side is understanding exactly what it takes to reprogram your mind to force it to achieve successful actions, because uh, a lot of successful actions are like outside of the comfort zone, outside of things that you might want to do naturally. And you've got to trick your mind into being able to reprogram your mind to be able to, to walk in faith on a consistent and unconscious level, which a lot of people don't have the ability to do. Consciously, they can do it every once in a while, which is why you'll have people, you know, for, for a week or for two weeks or even for 30 days start to achieve things that they have goals on um, or like the new year's resolutions. Most people, you know, fall out of their new year's resolutions after the first 15 days. Um, and so, you know, they're good enough to keep it for 15 days, but what's going to allow you to be consistent over the course of a year, two years, five years, those are the things that high achievers understand that most average people really don't know how to, how to put their mind in that state. I heard a great statement the other day. Um, it, it says psychologically that you cannot be stressed out and in service at the same time. It's just absolutely mentally impossible. And I just loved getting that piece of information. That's, that's super true. I mean, the idea of stress itself is caused by a, a, a feeling of fear which pushes you in a place of negativity versus positivity, which pushes you in a place of, uh, um, of 
poverty and not prosperity. And so the and it's, it's that's exactly what the concept of the mental matrix is about. It's how do you walk away from fear, whether you call it stress, anxiety, uh, whether you call it, you know, whatever you want to call it, how do you get yourself to walk away from that side of the spectrum and operate in there subconsciously, and how do you get it to happen consciously and subconsciously to operate in faith and not fear? So, yeah, I, I agree with that statement 100%. Now, the book is called The Mental Playbook, which I assume, and, you know, I've read it, so I know, but but for a person who was looking at the cover of it, you're going to assume this is like plays, like, you know, like a football coach or something, and you're going to really actually walk me through how to be able to get the ball across the finish line. Um, is Is that a good way of describing how this book walks you from wherever you are to really having that high achiever mindset? Absolutely. When that, when you think about most people who speak on the concept of um, mindset, it becomes difficult for the average person to to take it and put it into practical use. Because a lot of times they're talking about dopamine and, and and how you know energy and vibrations and all of these things that you know the average person is saying, okay, this sounds good, this sounds right, but like you know, I'm not like. Uh, 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 I'm not a psychologist, you know, I don't, I haven't studied, you know, the 36 books uh, 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 of, you know, child, you know, labor mind uh, laws or anything like that. So how, how do I take this information and actually do something with it? And so I, the way I set up the book, the reason why I called it the playbook is because I wanted to give practical steps. I wanted to walk away from all uh, of the big terminology and the big concepts that people can't dissect. And I wanted to allow for it to have specific practical use where people can say, all right, here's what I need to do. Not just here's what I need to think, here's what I need to do. Uh, and I, and that's, that's why I called it a playbook. And I feel like when, when somebody walks away with this book, this is what I think most people are going to do with this book. They're going to end up taking a bunch of notes taking a bunch of notes, and then they're going to be coming back to this book constantly. Like a playbook, you're coming back and looking at the plays, reminding yourself, okay, here's what I need to do here. When I get into a situation, let me go back and remind myself where, what, what needs to happen when I'm in this situation. What needs to happen when I need to move uh, you know, my mind to thinking, uh, uh, you know, how do I shift the habit? Okay, great. Let me go back to the playbook. It tells me exactly how to do that. So that's what I'm hoping that this book ends up being um, just really a guide or, uh, to helping people say, how can I take my mind and actually use it at the highest rate? And, you know, we, you know they throw around that concept of, uh, of you only use 10% of your mind. Now, I don't know how true that it actually is, but the, the truth of the matter is that most people would know that we're not using the highest capacity of our thinking. You know, our mind has been able to create Every amazing thing in this world has been created by a human brain, which is amazing. Most, most of the, uh, uh, the, the technological things and, and the things that we use on an average day uh, as a human has been created by a mind. So most people know that the mind is still untapped and vastly uh, um, underused, underutilized. So how can I take that tool that I've been given from birth? and create it to be an asset for me uh, instead of a liability, which most people's mindset is. All right. So here we are in the huddle, you know, all of us, the listening audience, 
and we're looking to you as the coach. We need you to call the play. Um, now, again, the playbook has a whole bunch of plays in it, but um, just give us one action that we could take right now to go out and play the game of life better and be a higher achiever. So I would say the one action is probably uh, the five, uh, I would say the five days. Um, so that when you look at success as a whole, there are some uh, things that need to happen in order for you to get to uh, that level of success. And there's five days that you go through um, that I think shifts a person and gets a person ready uh, to step into the role of achievement. Um, and and matter of fact, with these five days, I, I think you can take this uh, five-day concept and really apply it to any area of life, not just um, not just the you know uh, uh, success, but um, you can apply it to um, you can apply it to uh, uh, whether you, success from a financial perspective. You can apply it to your relationships. You can apply it to anything. You know, there are five days of breaking a habit, and I think that these five things can shift the way you look at habits altogether, and I think that that's the biggest action step. So the first one is the day of disgust. You got to get to a point where you're disgusted with where you are currently because that's the only way to shift a habit because most people have had habits for 10, 15, 20, 40, 50, 60 years. So you're telling your body and your mind who's been on a routine for 60 years to change that routine. So how do you shift? How do you make that change? Well, first you have to be disgusted with where you are currently and you have to say, all right, I need to make that change. And then the second day is the day of desire where now not only are you disgusted, but you're empowered. You have a burning desire to make the change because a lot of times people say, well, I'm disgusted with the fact that I'm overweight. Okay, great. That's, that's great. Most people have to get there. You have to get to a point where you're saying, all right, it's time for a change. But then you have to hit a place where your desire matches your disgust. And you say, look, not only is it time for a change, I, I'm in a place where I desire a change. I want to change. Then when you get to the day of desire, then you have to move into the day of decision. So, okay, you desire to change, but, you know, that old adage, if you have three birds on a, on a you know, phone wire and, three, and two decided to fly away, how many of those birds are on the wire it's still three because just because you decided didn't mean you made a decision to make the flight. And so you've got to make the decision. And once you make the decision, now action needs to follow. And most people can get to the day of disgust and the day of desire and the day of decision, but never break past the day of decision. And in my opinion, I don't think people have made a decision until they have moved into the fifth, excuse me, the fourth, which is the day of action. And when you get into a day of action, you know a person has really made a decision when action follows that decision. Until then, they haven't really made it. And most people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to you know, lose weight. Great. I'm ready to lose weight. All right, I'll start next week Monday. <laughs> that is like – that is the biggest setup for failure because a decision has to – action has to follow immediately after a decision because then the law of diminishing intent. Uh, uh, creeps in. And I talk about that in the book, so I'm not going to go too crazy. But then in the fifth one is the day of resolve, because once you take action, it's going to be difficult. So understanding the difficulty and the ups and downs and the lefts and rights and trying to figure out how to get up and 
you know, how to make it work, you know, you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to give up. So you've got to have a day of resolve that says, I will until I will continue to push. I will continue to move. I will continue to do the things necessary to get to, to my level of success, whatever that is. So the five days of breaking the habit, I guarantee you, if you start to break it down into these steps and allow yourself and, and, I, and actually put into the book, you know, what you need to do in each one of these steps that will allow you to move out of uh, a bad habit and into a habit that will serve you. Um, I, I think that that's one of the biggest action steps that you can take right now. Um, you can take even what, what I just gave you right there. You can think about a specific goal that you have in your life and ask yourself, am I disgusted with it? Have I, do I have a real burning desire? Not just kind of want to do. I really want it. You know, have I made a decision? Have I taken action? And am I resolved that says no matter what, I'm going to make it happen? Um, you know, and, and setting yourself up to be able to do each one of those things uh, allows for you to achieve, a, uh, you know, a, a goal or shift a habit at a high level. Uh, and those who want to shift habits, which a lot of us do, you know, because we've all got bad habits that we want, we want, we might want to change. You know, this is a great way to start to put that into place. So the five steps were disgust, desire, decision, action, and resolve. Is that correct? That's correct. Now you said the day of, so. Um, and it's five days. So are you literally meaning uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and poof, by Saturday, I um, I can break that habit? Unfortunately, it's, sometimes it does happen like that. Sometimes all five days could really be five moments within a day. But the issue is most times it doesn't necessarily happen like that. I mean, I wish it did, but a lot of times when it comes to breaking a habit, you know, sometimes you've got to get put in front of, if you ever understood, uh, if you understand like the concept of sales, you know, it usually takes seven touches for a person to make the sale, right? Seven touches of a person seeing that specific thing before that person says, I want to buy that thing. Well, it's the same way for us internally. All that is is a psychological thing. Um, that psychological uh, idea is saying, all right, in order for me to be ready to make a, make a decision, to make a real decision, I need to be, I need, it needs to be in front of me multiple times. So that day of disgust might be happen over and over where the disgust gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And that day of disgust leads to the day of desire. So until the, the day of disgust leads to the day of true desire, usually the day of desire and the day of decision, when they, when this real desire decision follows and then action follows right behind it. So the day of disgust usually is one day. But the day of desire, decision, and action can all be in one day. And a lot of times it is. You know, you get that strong burning desire that you want to change. And then you make that decision that day. And then you immediately take action. Like you get to, you've been disgusted with, you know, your weight for the last 18 months. Great. But now your desire, so you went into a clothing store, you tried to put on some clothes, and you realize it's big as you need to be. Man, now that is turning to desire. I need to make a change today. And that decision says, all right, I know I am going to make this change right now. And then the day of action is you go get your workout gear, go to the gym, and go buy your groceries for the week and start cooking. Like all of those could happen in the same day if you want. But sometimes it doesn't. And it really, the five days could be five moments. It could be five days. But it really just depends on where you are at that moment uh, uh, in that uh, process. 
And as you can tell, that is a playbook. The book is called The Mental Playbook, An Ultimate Blueprint on How to Become a High Achiever by Making Your Mind Your Greatest Asset by Eugene Johnson. Eugene, thanks so much for spending some time with us here today. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, you know the, the, the days to come. It's going to be exciting. Wow. Now we can actually change the phrase Life doesn't come with a playbook. Here is a mental playbook for how you can win mentally at your business, in your life. The things that you focus your mental energy on that can make you succeed above that average to beyond even possibly your own wildest imaginations. How do you like that? I hope that really you took the time, took some notes, and that you will check out The Mental Playbook by Eugene Johnson. It is an awesome book. It is a bestseller. It is available on Amazon, and we really hope that you will check it out. We're going to take a commercial break, and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelp.com youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back you know some of our guests that we had early on uh, within the first five six months of the show had some amazing things that you may not have heard yet and so often I like to bring in along with one of our best-selling authors somebody with an impactful amazing message to help you and nobody I think maybe covers this whole concept of having the right perspective of yourself, of really hitting the middle game. Then Claire Anstey, I was so excited to have her as my guest way back um, early 2015, I think it was. Um, And I really want you to take some time and pay attention. This isn't all of the episodes, so if you want to go back and check out Claire's whole episode, there's even more nuggets in there. But here's a little bit of it to share with you some of the things that can help you have a right perspective of yourself to get your mental game together. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see the amazing, vibrant, talented person that you are? Or do you concentrate on the blemishes, the color of your hair that you don't like, or the eye color you wish you had? 
you know, not liking ourselves is an easy trap to fall into and a very hard cycle to get out of. We are often taught that we need to smile and be gracious if somebody compliments us, but we're really taught how to take what a person is saying and really embrace that message and really own it, really be grateful, not just that they said something nice about us, but really take it to heart. Well, I've got some news for you today. I want you to know something. You are amazing. Now, before you shrug that that off and be like, no, no, I'm really not – Take a minute, let that land, let that go into your being, and just let it sit there for a minute. I want you to understand that true humility is not uh, diminishing yourself and saying negative things about yourself. True humility is actually having a right perspective of yourself. That means that the things that you're good at, um, you know, you don't have to go around bragging about it, but acknowledging that and accepting that is actually a part of being truly humble. You need to understand that you are exactly and perfectly who you were made to be. There is no one, there never will ever be anyone who is or can be you. That's why it's so important in business uh, because in order for our business to really grow, it needs to have us. It needs you. You need to fulfill your purpose. So I'm fortunate today to be joined by Claire Anstey. Claire is an expert in helping women entrepreneurs find and release their wonderful uniqueness into the world. She specializes in giving you permission to be you. So help me welcome Claire Anstey. Hi, Claire. pleasure to be on the show and I'm all ready to go after that fabulous intro. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) Oh, you're very welcome. So um, again, you know, because of Kathy in my life, I have the inside track on some of the guests, but some of the people may not know you. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Claire Anstey, as you said. I'm living in London at the moment. That's where I'm from, born and bred. And well, my journey's been quite an interesting one. Over the last 10 years, I've been reevaluating who I am, discovering the truth of my being. And the reason for this is because in my youth, in my teenage years in particular, I didn't think I was good enough. I was chasing fame because I wanted the world to love me. I had no idea why. I just wanted the world to love me because if they loved me, it made me get a sense of worth. It made me feel accepted and it made me feel like I had a purpose. And I was striving for fame, striving to be a television presenter here in the UK. And I was doing really good in my career. I was one job away from that Saturday night you know, mainstream live talent show or whatever it would have been. And then tragedy struck. My childhood sweetheart killed himself, committed suicide, more scared of life than death. And it was that moment that changed me. Now, there was a lot that I learned about male mental health and the way we think about, you know, life and, you know, depression and things like that. But for me, What that tragedy did is it made me realize that even though I was living, so much of me was already dead. I didn't even know who I was anymore because I was trying to be 
what I saw others wanted to, me to be. Every time I went into a room, I'd get this sense of panic of what are they expecting from me? Who do they want me and, you know, this extended with, you know, me constantly changing my hair color because I was trying desperately to, to find peace in being someone else. And my body weight went up and down. And I thought if I was thin, I'd be happy. And there was this big, huge quest that I was on. But it was leading to unhappiness. And the more I was unhappy, the more I tried to change myself. And this tragedy woke me up. And after getting over the grief and, you know, dealing with that part of the tragedy, I, I went on a big journey of self-discovery and, you know, dis discovering who I was again because I realized I didn't know. Possibly from the age of 11, I tried to be someone else. And over the last 10 years, I've, I've learned, I've grown, and I can truly say that I am so happy to be me. And I know that I am fabulous, warts and all, literally, I'm imperfectly perfect. And that is what I now share with women literally all over the world. And I'm, I'm very honored to be able to do so. And one of the key things that I learned was, you know, I can be sexy. I can be strong. I can be important. But all those things I actually already had, I'd just forgotten. And it's all about being reminded. And, and that's what I do now. That's my purpose is I remind people of how amazing they are because they are amazing. They don't need to try to be anything else. They just need to remember. So how would a person learn to love themselves? Now that's a big question, isn't it? Because... I think if we all knew the exact right answer, we'd, we'd be able to put it in a package and everyone could have, you know, the same parcel delivered to their door and we'd all be solved. And, you know, I think it's, it's a very personal journey. But the first thing, you know, that I will say to anyone is we all think we're weird. We all think we're different. You could be sitting on, you know, a, a packed train, a packed bus, on, you know, public transport, and I guarantee you every person on that carriage, every person on those seats feels different. They feel weird. They feel, they feel like an outsider. And you know what? That's actually what is normal. You know, it's normal to feel different. It's normal to feel like there is only one of you because there is only one of you. And when we accept that there is only one of us and that everybody feels as different, we can, ex we can start to accept who we are and accept our traits. Some of our traits are amazingly positive and, and some of them aren't so great. You know, we can be greedy, we can be lazy, we can be jealous, but denying those parts of us is not good for us. And when we embrace even what we deem as negative, we can actually use those parts of us to embrace strength, to embrace inspiration, and to enable self-awareness. And, you know, we can always choose how we, how we behave. So understanding who we are as a whole is an act of, of self-love. So to me, knowing that you're weird and that's okay, because that's what is actually normal, is a good starting point for self-love. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I, I think so often we get stuck in the trap of trying to be, I mean, you even said it before, you were trying to be what everybody else told you. Um, or we see somebody that we admire 
and then we try to emulate them. I mean, let's face it, the world has an Oprah. Uh, she's amazing. She's done an incredible things, but the world doesn't need another Oprah. They need the next person who's going to be the next Mother Teresa or Lisa Nichols or, um, you know, there's just so many options uh, and that pursuit of being somebody else in that, I think we all tend to lose ourselves. Would you say that is pretty much true? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I can still do this myself. You know, you can be so inspired by someone. And this doesn't have to be someone that's, you know, um, in the limelight like Oprah or, or somebody that's really well known for something they do. And it could be, you know, Lisa Nichols in motivational speaking, it could be Richard Branson in business, you know, we can draw inspiration from these people, but the reason that we noticed them in the beginning is because they were different, so exactly what you were saying, you know, it's, the, the world's already got one of them, and yes, we can draw inspiration from them, yes, we can look at them and go, wow, you're so much like me, I'm like that, I look like that, or I feel like that, or I speak like that, or yes, I do business in the same way you do. Draw inspiration from that. Draw comfort that there's other people doing things that you enjoy doing or you're good at doing, but know that those other things that you also do that are a little bit different are a massive part of your journey. And as you said, you know, don't lose them. Don't lose that sense of yourself. And that comes with daily practice. That comes with commitment to you and your, your inner voice, your giant within. And, you know, that's why, you know, work like what you do, Steve, and, and shows like this are so great because they can become part of our daily practice and our daily reminders that, you know what, we're okay. All we've got to do is be us. And you know what? It's the easiest thing to do, be us, but we make it so difficult when we're trying to be like someone else. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said that in all of that attempt to be all of those things that you felt like you should be, what you end up doing is is being what I call a zombie. You know, you're walking around, but you're really actually dead inside. You don't feel joy, happiness, fulfillment in your own life. Um, and it's just, it's a really miserable existence. And the worst part of that whole thing, of course, is that time can go by so quickly on you and you look back and realize that there's really nothing of you to show for that. Uh, I think that's really probably the saddest thing. I know in my own personal life, when I look back at those times, um, that, that really you can see is, is uh, you know, how bad it was when you gave up on yourself and weren't existing for any reason other than just to, you know, get through another day. No, totally. I, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I think that when we live like that for a very long time, and we get in the habit of rejecting who we are and, you know, we become so separate from our truth. It's a constant battle. We're constantly fighting with our truth and trying to, you know, ignore that it's there. We get into this habitual pattern of, you know, not actually knowing who we are to a point where we can't listen to our heart anymore because when we're on the right track, when we're in flow, it's so easy. Life is easy. Time passes us by. We could be up at four o'clock in the morning doing a project and completely lose track of time. 
But we can get so disconnected to that feeling of passion and flow that when we're in it, we don't even realize. Like I've spoken to people over the years and, they, and I've said, you know, talk, spoke to them about hobbies and introducing hobbies in their life. And it can take, you know, an hour or two hours of conversation before they realize that they enjoy drawing. But they draw all the time, but they forgot to mention it because they've actually forgotten what being in the flow and being connected to their purpose and their passion actually is. They don't realize where passion is. They're too busy thinking that goals and tasks and things they should achieve should also be painful. And that's not true at all. Absolutely. Um, In my book, I actually articulate the fact that the number one thing you need to do in order to really thrive in life and business is to be passionate about yourself, you know, to be passionate in life uh, until you find and release that passion into the world. There's just really a piece of you that's missing. And the flip side of that is so true. Uh, You know, I mean, time just can fall away when you really are in the zone of really passionately being yourself. You know, I've, I've talked to guests before and, and almost every episode I end up saying, wow, look, the whole hour went by because I'm right here in the midst of my passion and doing it. And and the time just buzzes by. Um, I think that's so important for us as people to really latch a hold of is finding and releasing your passion. So on that thought, I'm going to let you guys think a little bit. I want you to give yourself a break and I want you to think, what do I just enjoy doing? Forget about critiquing whether or not it's good, bad, or indifferent, but just really let yourself have some thought as to what do I really enjoy doing? I was thinking about a little story that you know that I often often tell. You know, in my local area where you know I, I, my parents live, where I grew up, you know, because of that, you know, hunting fame all them all them years ago as I was growing up. You know, many people in the local area saw me on television. They saw me do you know various things, and even though life's moved on from that place, when I go back home and I go to the local shop, and you know, the, the, the family that have run it for like 20 years always speak to me and always want to know, you know, well, what am I doing on television and all, the, all these kind of things. And, you know, they really think it's exciting, which is, which is lovely and it's so, so nice for people to be interested in and supportive, supportive in my life. But I always remember, you know, one time asking this particular shopkeeper, you know, what's going on with you? How are you? And he was like, oh, not, I only run a shop. Oh, I'm not interesting. I have no importance. I, I only run a shop. And, and I said to him, you know, your place is really important in the world. And he was like, don't be silly. I'm, you're on television and I just run a shop. I will never mm-hmm. forget one of the best Christmases I've ever had. And he kind of looked at me puzzled. And I went, you know, one Christmas, my mum and dad did, you know, what all parents dread at Christmas. They accidentally forgot to buy batteries for a particular toy. And, you know... It was like, oh, no, the Christmas toys don't work type thing. And when you're seven, this stuff really matters. And this mm. guy opens his shop Christmas Day morning every year, and he still does, just for like two or three hours, so that if anyone had any last-minute things, that you know, sugar, milk, whatever it was that they needed, they could go to that store and they could purchase it really, really quickly, first thing in the morning. My parents were able to go to that store. They were able to buy batteries. And we had this fabulous Christmas full of memories and playing with these fabulous robot toys. And it was fabulous. Now, 
that memory would not have been made in such a way if this guy had not given up his Christmas morning. He, his action had a profound effect on my life, and it's a lasting memory that we still talk about. And when I told him this, he was really, really shocked. And he's like, I had, had no idea that I, I, I'd have had a massive effect on you. And I'm like, of course you did. You know, we all forget that we are all cogs in the wheel of life. And you may not realize one smile that you gave to one person on public transport, one gesture that you did to a friend, one text, one person that you employed, and whatever you did, you know, we all have the perfect place, and you cannot compare your value in the world with anyone else. Yes, someone may work for a government, someone may be a little bit more well-known than you in the local community, but your importance as an individual is so important. What you say or do one day to someone may lead to a huge change in the world, and we can never, ever forget that. And most of the times we won't even know the impact that we've made on people's lives in this life. There are people right now, today, that are alive because of something as simple as a kind gesture or remark that you made to them on a day when they were contemplating the worst of situations. There are people who are thriving in life now because one person in their life, often you hear the story of a teacher that encouraged a child and they became something, but it doesn't always happen there. It, you know, it can be mothers and fathers. It can be friends that encourage that person that they can do it or that they should try something. And, you know, next thing you know, they're having an amazing impact. And I just wanted to say real quick, amazing impact does not necessarily mean that you have a global audience. It could be that you are, say, for example, Billy Graham's mom. Now, I think everybody probably still kind of knows who Billy Graham was, um, but most people don't know his mom. You know, how many people know Richard Branson's mother? Do you even know what her name is? No, I don't. I do know that he did a little he, on social media. He, he did a little shout out for her on, on American Mother's Day. So she's an important woman in his life. She's massively important in his life. Absolutely, and he wouldn't be the man that he is today had it not been for the extremely important things that she did. So I'm just encouraging everybody as we're going through this, and we talk about amazing. Uh, the littlest thing that you do often is the most amazing of that. So, Claire, let's talk a little bit about how important this becomes when we then do have a business and we're trying to market ourselves um, that we embrace being us as opposed to trying to emulate somebody else. Well, we all are unique. You know, we all look different, act different, have different, you know, traits in our personalities and different skills. And, you know, when you're moving into business, there's a lot of things that you're going to want to learn. There's a lot of things that you're going to be creating. You know, you're going to be looking at your sales force, your products, what you're offering your customers. And the most easiest and effective way of giving your best performance in business is by allowing yourself to be you. Because if you've ever 
ever told a lie in your life, you'll know how exhausting that is. And although you may not think being you or trying to be something better is a lie, what I've realized over the years is you're lying to yourself by not being really honest with who you are and allowing yourself to develop as you, as you grow and thrive with your own business. There's always going to be an internal battle, you know, and people gel with particular people for a reason. And as I, as we said at the beginning, you know, we can admire, you know, for me, Lisa Nichols, you know, Oprah, I really admire those ladies. And, you know, when you look into the psychology and the NLP behind that, that's, that's for no weird reason because they have skills, abilities like I do. So I warm to them because they're similar to me. They're my peers and I look up to them. So this is what will happen in business. People are going to relate to you because you represent a piece of them. And this is going to actually enable you to grow your network, grow your business, your tribe, however you look upon your customers and your clients and the environment that your business takes you to. People relate to you. And the easiest way to enable that to happen consistently, and this is what you want in business, is to consistently be you. So that is what you as an individual should be working on. Who are you? You know, what are your non-negotiables? What are your what are your skills? You know, what are the traits that you can really offer in your business and really move forward with those as your foundations? And you'll find that, you know, it's so simple when you know who you are, because you're going to know not only your strengths, but a big key is knowing and loving your weaknesses and your vulnerability. Because when you can really own your vulnerability and your weaknesses, that is when you can become truly strong, especially in business. I told you you weren't going to want to miss this. Um, you should really check out all of the episode with Claire. And if you want to do more, Claire takes all of the years now that she's put into the entertainment industry and she has put it into her new website, Game changercasting.com if you want to be in TV and radio if you have a podcast if you want to do something to have your voice be heard in the world write a book be a speaker any of those kind of things she can help at GameChangerCasting.com, both help you with skills, but also help you make the connections. So say, for example, you know, like some of our people, you are a best-selling author, and you're like, okay, now what? Well, how about if you went to GameChangerCasting.com, and you checked it out, and you maybe could get yourself on some podcasts of other members that are there, or other things like that. Claire Anstey is amazing. She's a great friend, but she's also a talent, a resource that, oh my gosh, you got to tap into it. She will help you not only with your mental game, with your self-esteem, but also with the connections to really have your voice be heard. So do check Claire out at GameChangerCasting.com. It's time for our last commercial break, and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. 
You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. So here we are at the final round for today's episode of Thriving Entrepreneur, and we've been talking this whole time about you. I hope that if you came in today feeling maybe a little low, questioning yourself, feeling less than, I hope that you got the boost that you need, that you see, that you understand just how great you are. And you also know there are resources out there. There are people that really care about you and want to help you thrive. They want to help you be your best. Um, you know, Kathy and I are definitely one of those people. We named our website, wehelpyouthrive.com, on purpose so that we could help you thrive. And we love to do that with our authors. We know that you have a message. We know that if you can get a hold on to this one little element we've been talking about all day, and that's the mental game, getting your mind in order that you can change the world. You can do amazing, unbelievable, remarkable things that you can share with the world. You see, and I've heard it said so many times, um, I don't even remember who the first person that said it was now, but I remember the first time I heard it. I want to say it was Lisa Nichols. Um, she said, I think it was even at an e-women event, um, you know, at the uh, platinum event, she was talking and she said something, I wrote it down. It, it just hit me, you know, like an arrow to the heart. She said, your message is not about you. What you do, what you're meant to be in the world. It was never for you. It's for the people that you're meant to serve. If we really take a hold of that, if we really grasp a hold of the fact that we're put on this earth for a reason, that there's a purpose, that it's not just some crazy whim of uh, bouncing around there, nothing neurons, but it really has a point and a purpose in life, then we can really embrace it. We can realize and really go for doing all that we can do to be the best versions of ourselves in the world. And that takes mental clarity. Not necessarily that, you know, you need to be good at math or you need to be a physicist. Hey, if you're that awesome, that's great. But you need to be clear on who you are. And that starts by being clear that you are incredible. 
by allowing yourself permission to like yourself, by taking the time to put your mental game in order so that you can then show up in the world because it's not about us. It's about the people we were meant to serve. It's the reason why we were put on this planet. Not that we're just here and now we gotta try to get through, but that we're here for a reason and a purpose. That starts most of the time with your message. Each of us has a unique message. Uh, you know, if you took two people in the same exact industry, it could be real estate, they could be accounting, they could be coaches, um, they could be, you know, actually sports coaches as opposed to business coaches, uh, you name it, any field, they need to understand how important they are and then their message needs to get shared because the two of them are going to share although maybe something similar they're going to share them from a completely different aspect there's different parts of it because you're different than the guy that sits next to you at work than that person you walk by at Starbucks in the morning when you're getting your day started even the people in your family your children you're different than them. You have a purpose. You have a reason for being on this planet. And we really want you to fulfill that. And that starts with your message. And so we have tried everything we can because we help you thrive. Kathy and I have created the Best Sellers Guild. Bestsellersguild.com. It's a free group. You can join it. We would love to have you come and be part of our family. We really, really want to see you succeed at this mental game in this thing we call life because regardless of your particular religious beliefs or uh, what you think happens after this life, this moment is the only this moment you've got. This life is the only way that you will show up in this life. And we need to make the most of it. We need to share what we have with the world. You see, yes, there's always someone that's 10 steps, 20 steps, 5 steps, a step and a half ahead of you. But there's also those people that are 10 steps, 20 steps, 5 steps, 1 step behind you. They need to hear what you've learned. They are in the middle of her, or they maybe have one last step to take to a breakthrough that you know is there because you just made that breakthrough. And they need you to share that. So please do come join us at bestsellersguild.com and share who you are because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. The world needs you, every bit of you, to show up every day and be all that you are so that you can live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. 
You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author, and now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.